Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right. You got a haircut? Yeah, just It's 14.94 and the Exchequer rolls. And I'm sure you're all very aware of our Tyronesian and Lindor's monk chum, Friar John Cor. Of course you are. And why wouldn't you be? The great, 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 great grandfather of whiskey. Have you ever asked yourself what strain of barley contributed to the eight balls of malt? Have you ever pondered steeping times and floor temperatures, barley moisture content, germination time, jib length, shield weight, chariot volume? Have you ever wondered what fuel was used to direct fire the stills? at Lindor's Abbey all those years ago. A topic recently raised actually was some of these Welsh coals that were being used by Mr. Nick Morgan and Charlie McLean. What an enthralling debate. Did you ever wonder how if they were nosed, which aquavitae as it rolled off the stills, what did it smell like? What was it used for? Did they drink it? Was it aftershave? Was it medicine? Was it used to enhance virility? We generally don't know and the likelihood is that you won't get the answer here on Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Welcome if you are new, and welcome back if you stumbled upon us before. I am Daz. And I am Mitch. Well, Daz, that was pretty impressive. Mate. That's that's like an entire podcast just on that one intro. <laughs> um, all right, so I can't believe it's actually episode 10 already. We've done 10 episodes of, of this podcast, which is, uh, which is pretty incredible. So to celebrate this momentous feat that we've done, we're doing two things. Firstly, we're uh, actually recording this on site. We're in the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society right now. Uh, they've kindly given us their top floor to do this episode from. So it's really cool to obviously be here. Uh, and big shout out to Sarah and Andrew for uh, giving us the room. So uh, thank you so much, guys, for uh, allowing us to do this here today. And if that wasn't cool enough for episode 10, we're also joined by a special guest, uh, Moa, a.k.a. Swedish Whiskey Girl. So Moa, thank you very much for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, absolute pleasure for you to be here today. And what we're going to do with Moa today is talk about all things whiskey influency with Moa and get into it, talk a little bit about how whiskey is over in Sweden uh, as well. Um, so for those who haven't met more before or haven't uh, experienced what she does, go onto YouTube right now, check out her YouTube channel. She goes by uh, the handle Swedish Whiskey Girl. Hey, Mo, I think you've got about 4,000 subscribers right now. Yeah, that's right. And pretty much doing uh, a whiskey tasting every week almost. Am I right in saying that? that you've got... Yeah, at least once a week, but yeah. two if I have time, which I try to do every week, yeah. Two if you have time, that's incredible. I mean, I do a little bit on YouTube, but I don't know how you've got the time to do that. That's unbelievable. Um, you can also find more on Instagram, so she goes, 
funnily enough, by Swedish Whiskey, Whiskey Girl on Instagram as well. Uh, and she's very active there. So Moa does an incredible job of promoting Scotch whiskey, well, any kind of whiskey on social media, so much so that she was given a award by Whiskey Magazine as Whiskey Communicator of the Year for 2021. So congratulations for that, Moore. Thanks, you've really done your research. There we go. <laughs> Have you been given that award yet? As much as just told you now. No, no, yeah, I you got it already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, break the news, man. <laughs> No, great to have you on here. So before we get into this more, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a little section. Um, you've kindly selected some whiskies from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society because you used to work here, so you know them really well. So we're going to get into what we're drinking this week. What's that drinking this week? Now, because we're in the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and Moa used to work here for how long, Moa? Six months, is there? Yeah, just under, I think. Yeah, so you're very well versed in what they do here. So Moa has kindly picked three drams for us. But Moa, before we get into these three drams, do you want to tell us a little bit about what they do here for, for anyone that's maybe never been to, to this amazing establishment before? Yeah, of course. So the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, I would say maybe... The main thing that they do is as an independent butler. So they have a system where they work with numbers, but they have casks from all over Scotland, from various distilleries. They don't have their own distillery, but they also have casks that they bought from distilleries all over the world. And when you come to one of their venues that they have all over Europe, or if they have their other kind of sister societies over in the States and so on, you can try some of their whiskey. But basically they're an independent butler who also do some venues for Basically, people meet up and have some drinks. And you worked in the original one, right, which is down in Leith. Yeah, the one called The Vaults. Um, so it's an amazing place to come if you are in Edinburgh or if you just like whiskey or if you like amazing buildings. It's a good one to visit. And haggis. Yeah, the haggis yeah, is brilliant. It's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> if you are going to try haggis, I'd definitely recommend it yeah. there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely worthwhile looking at getting a, a little membership for this place. I think it's, I, I just got one. I think it's about £60 for the year. Uh, and you get to use all their secret areas like we're in right now, which is kind of cool. So, Moa, let's talk about what you've selected for us, what we're going to be drinking. Yeah, absolutely. So we have three drafts mm -hmm. and I tried to pick some that were slightly different. They are all, all Scottish. So we are trying a seven-year-old Noctu, or sorry, an 11-year-old Noctu, which has been in a second fill ex-bourbon cask. Then we are going to move on to a seven-year-old Glen Murray which has been in a first full experiment cask. And number 35, which is Glen Murray, is one of my favorite distilleries to try from the, the, uh, from the society. They always tend to be just something special. And since it was a first full experiment, which is also one of my favorite cask types, I just couldn't resist it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great distillery. I remember uh, years ago at the Spirit of Speyside Festival, they hosted the after party at Glen Murray and uh, they emptied a warehouse and uh, put in tables and everything like that. The distillery manager, I forget the chap's name, uh, dark haired guy, tall guy, uh, he was brilliant. He was highly emotional actually. He was so pleased that everybody from the industry and you know people who were just involved in Spirit Space Side and stuff uh, made it you know, over there to that distillery and, and had a great time. And I must say it was um, <clears throat> what they call a hoolie up north. You know, <laughs> it, it did go down big time in that warehouse uh, later on at night. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I sat next to Ronnie Cox and Martin Louie that night, so I was, I was a good company. Yeah, it was like a good night, yeah. It was a good night, it was a good night, yeah. I think one of the things I love about um, 
the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society as well as all their names. I was just there uh, walking about there. There's got quite a few bottles in this room. Absolutely, so yeah. I pulled some of them. Uh, this one is the Magical Mystery Tour. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Wood Chips uh, in a Fruit Bowl. So these are all the descriptions they write on the bottle. They never tell you what distillery it is because that's just done by a number. And the other one I've got here is A Day at the Fun Fair. Yeah, you um, like this one, Mitch. Oh, yeah. Having afters under the rafters, which is the Glenmary we're trying. Oh, nice. I like it. Uh, and they're finishing on Do Try This at Home, which is a heavily peated Buna Haven. All right. So, well, let's get into these quickly, see what's uh, what's going on with them. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, which one are we going to try first, Mon? Um, maybe start with the Nocto. Beautiful. So what I love about you when we talk, you know, when I've looked at your, your channel before uh, and you do all these whiskey tastings, you have incredible tasting notes. Uh, you've obviously got a much better nose than Daz and I, so uh, I actually get quite frustrated because I know you're Swedish and you're speaking in your, I'm assuming your second language, maybe your third language. Your vocabulary for flavour really annoys me because it's so <laughs> superior to mine. <laughs> maybe that's the only thing I know what to say. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where, like, yeah, where, where did you start learning then about tasting whiskey and? And sort of putting these words to the flavors that you're experiencing because you you are the communicator of the year and <laughs> rightfully so you communicate flavor brilliantly thank you um yeah so i actually moved to scotland and lived here for almost three years before i even started liking whiskey my dad's a big whiskey fan and he's always tried to be like oh try this try this and i've always thought it all tasted the same and um, which feels like such a shame to say now <laughs> yeah but when I was in my last year of studying here in Edinburgh, I met my boyfriend who started working in the whiskey industry the day after. And I've always been quite nerdy, and I still am. I'm very proud to be. So when he started working with it, we wanted to try various whiskies and kind of see where the flavor came from. And that way we started learning about it. The more we kind of learned about it and our knowledge expanded, the more interesting it became. And even to this day, I think that's one of the best things about whiskey. You never stop learning. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I found one that I liked as well, which was a bonus, I'd say. What was it? It was Ardbeg 10. Ah, that's similar to you. Yeah, 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 an Ardbeg story when you first started. Exactly, yeah, it it was pretty much the first malt whiskey that really turned me on to malt whiskey. And and, and I sat and really appreciated it and enjoyed it. I was in good company. It was actually, it was a New Year's Eve after work. And I sat and I went, that was my first whiskey moment when I was like, I actually love this stuff. You know, it was quite Yeah, strange. I know for sure. Yeah. Definitely. It just tasted a bit like bonfires and smoked meats and mm. hiking in the woods for me, which is what I recognize. So it's, it was great. Yeah. And then I don't know if I was going to say that it went downhill from there, but it went kind of uphill from there. Yeah. So, Mo, let's talk about this first whiskey. I mean, I'm finding this pretty aggressive. I, you know, most of these whiskies here are done, well, they're all done at cask strength. So mm-hmm. yeah. I can't remember the ABV of this, but I'm getting some punch coming through here. Spicy. Yeah, absolutely. It's around 59% ABV. So, yeah, like you said, single cask, st- cask strength stuff. I'm getting quite a lot of, like, anise, um, quite greeny, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's definitely quite herby, and mm. at the same time, that kind of... Oil, I don't know, I have this oily, almost vanilla sponge cake that I associate with Noctu. Yeah, almost um, to go back to your origins, aquavit kind of like, yeah, with yeah. that herbal Herbite. freshness, you know? Yeah. I definitely agree. That was the sound of me putting a little bit of water in this because this, is, Good this is punchy. Which brings me back to a story where the last time the three of us were hanging out together, which was in Lewis. Yeah, good times. On a wee lark fire trip. Yeah, two, two memories that stand out for me. Um, one was being at the Harris Distillery, mm-hmm. and they were running their second, only their second P3 
peated run of malt through the distillery. So when we were in there, it smelled like gammon. Mm, it was delicious. It, it was like Christmas Day in a kitchen. You know, it was so, so nice. And obviously the second memory was uh, watching Mitch half naked jumping <laughs> into the, the water of Lewis off up here. So um, but we were really lucky with the uh, Lark Fire to go to Lewis, spend some time on that beautiful island, uh, and we got to spend time together. And I think it's the first time we'd met. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a stunning place. I mean, is there any better place to have whiskey than outdoors in Scotland? No, it's yeah. just stunning and lovely to meet you, Das. <laughs> it was uh, it was unfortunate that Mitch was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean that it's kind of delayed this podcast, right? Because I think that was always the plan. We were going to get more on an episode, and we're like, we took all the gear to Lewis, and I think we said it on the episode before we went. We're like, yeah, we're going to go to Lewis. We're going to take all the podcast stuff. Yeah, and we ended up drinking a load of whiskey, jumping in locks, and not being able to do it because we were uh, we were busy. Yeah, yeah, it was busy. Yeah, it was a busy trip. Hard at work. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Right, so let's get back to this, the the whiskey then. Should we? Uh, let's move on to number two. Let's move on to number yeah. two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you want to take us through the month number two. Yeah, and the reason I like this, you get straight over the nose. I think this is like candies, like hard-boiled sweets. And I'm a bit of a, I have a bit of a sweet tooth, which is why I really like this one. And I think because castor whiskeys can be a bit confusing for me at the time, because when you try a lot of whiskeys, castor becomes this almost obstacle you have to go past because it's so high in ABV. So when you have something that has something that stands out, like this kind of sweetness in this one for me, mm. it just makes it easier to grab onto something and then delve deeper into it. Let's, let's remind everyone what this one is again. So this is a seven-year-old Glenmurray ah. from a first full experiment. Yeah, you get a lot from the cask. You get a lot of vanilla coming through. For me, yeah. um, I used to really love when I was little, uh, raiding the cupboard and eating Horlicks. Yeah. Without adding water or milk, I just eat the powder from a spoon. That sounds very odd. Yeah. I've only had Horlicks once and I wasn't a fan, but. You haven't yeah. worked out that he's very odd yet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it has that lovely aroma of, of mo like that malted drink, yeah. like kind of quite cozy, lots of vanilla, uh, lots of that almost kind of white chocolate almost. But um, it's a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like Highland toffee. Yeah. As well. it's got yeah. 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 Even, even without adding anything to this, this is, this is punching through really nicely. Yeah, I think uh, what I've always liked about these, because I actually have three bottles at home that are of 35 because I like them so much. Yeah. It's just quite easy to drink, but it also holds water quite well. Um, mm. In my experience, I haven't tried it with this one yet, but mm -hmm. it's just one that I can go for, and I know it's quite a, a good option always. So how many, I mean, you go through so many whiskeys. You, you said earlier you do one tasting video a week, sometimes two. How many whiskeys you reckon you've gone through now in your career? Oh, um... I don't know. We were counting it, and I think we have about 200 bottles at home, but that's not counting samples. And I mean, even though I do two tasting videos a week, I probably taste at least five new whiskeys. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know if that sounds worrying. I hope my mom's not listening to this. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's so interesting, and um, having spent a bit of time with you, I, I really appreciate how passionate you are about whiskey, and it's um, so refreshing to see someone who's just so hungry for information. And actually the way that you turn that around into such a great story, I love following it, I love watching it. One of the things that strikes me is, is like how you find the time. There's, people say influencer, and, and, and I think they say it with a negative tone. It has a connotation. Um, and 
And I don't think they realize just how much work and passion you put into tasting the whiskies, seeking out information, spending time creating the content that you do and the way that you do it. I mean, how much time do you dedicate to that on a weekly basis? You know, just, just sitting here listening to you talking now, I'm like, wow, this is like, because you've got a day job, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, who needs sleep? Um, no, actually, I, I get a lot of sleep, uh, which I'm quite surprised by. Yeah. But it's... Uh... It didn't seem that way when we were in Lewis. <laughs> no. when we were in, yes, when we were in Lewis, like everyone's rocking up for breakfast. Mo's like sitting there, oh, I've been up for like four hours already. <laughs> we're like, what? Yeah. She went been to bed at three o'clock in yeah, the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I think uh, commuting back in Sweden really helped. Um, but I'm... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, one of those things that when I find it fascinating, I find time like time to do it. But yeah, with a full time job and then actually having some hobbies as well, it is tricky. But I think because I find it so fun, I was doing a content for two collaborations earlier this week mm-hmm. and it's just fun and fascinating. Like I said, I'm a nerdy personality. Yeah. So try to stop me from doing research or like finding things to do. Yeah. I, can't not having things to do and you're not sick of it you don't the, you don't get that fatigue you know how some people jump in and out of yeah of course. passions don't they and they, they do it for a while and go oh, i've had enough of that i'm going to go and be a drummer i'm going to go learn how to play the pipes or something like that you know for you this is like no i think when it comes to whiskey i'm very i started out as kind of an obsessive hobby mm. but i still enjoy it i had a bit of a dip earlier or actually last autumn but it was a lot of negativity and I think because people were stuck in their houses it was locked down you could see the kind of negativity and kind of a people were annoyed and quite angry and okay. quite um like just in a bad mood and mm. I didn't know what to do to change that but mm. you just saw it everywhere and that made me quite exhausted of social media as a whole but I mean it comes and goes it's ups and downs and yeah. I mean I've never thought of quitting so but yeah anyways let's go <laughs> I'm going to go back just a second to, um, you know, to talk about the collaborations that you did, you said you just did two this week. So how does that work for you? Do you go out and actively look for whiskies that you enjoy or do they come to you most of the time? Uh, they come to me most of the time, so I'm quite lucky in that way. Um, if there is something I want to try and I think it's something that my audience would enjoy, I can go out and get it, just buy it for myself. But most of the times the collaborations I actually do are people that come to me, which is, I think I'm quite lucky in, and I'm quite lucky to be able to say no to certain people that I don't think fits what I do. So. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I, I just did my first collaboration last week and it's, it's such a bizarre world. Like coming, you know, I'm a guy who, and Daz is the same. We've done this corporate kind of job for so long. Mm. So this whole world wasn't open to us, you know what I mean? And now it's like, well, you get brands saying like, well, you know, you want to, We'll pay you some money for a post and yeah it, it's kind of weird it's so bizarre that, that this you know world is out there that i'd never really thought about before with regards to whiskey but i, I suppose know, yeah. you know you, for you it's kind of second nature now right well it's fun i think because the reason i enjoy collaboration collaboration so much is because it gives me a goal and some it gives me also a, a motivation to like someone likes what i'm doing and they want to work with me uh, for some reason and when they have a brief that gives me a creative kind of mm. framework to work with which is uh, great brilliant third whiskey let's do it you ready yeah um we're visiting an old friend i'm absolutely roasting here i <laughs> stupidly wore a jumper today thinking like oh you know it's getting into that that, that <laughs> autumn winter time but 
Is this the whiskey room healthy? Is so hot. Yeah, and the whiskey is not helping the cooling down. Yeah, a few glass of whiskey is going to warm you up. Yeah, so this is a wee Buna Haven that we're going to finish off with, which oh, yeah. relates back to our good friend Brendan McCarran, who did um, the last episode with us. So if you guys haven't listened to that, jump back on. You can hear all about uh, Buna Haven, what Brendan's doing with us. But more, take us through this one. Yeah, I mean, what I quite like about this one is the hat's a quite a nice Isla character. It's that kind of tarry ropes, um, mm. a little bit of yeah. um, like salty uh, vegetal notes as well for me. It's funny, actually. I, I always, um, I've spent quite a lot of time in Sweden in the past at whiskey events and clubs and everything like that, which we will talk about very shortly. Uh, salted licorice is something that I know you guys over there love. Um, us Brits think it's really strange because uh, you've got this like super sweet spice and licorice covered in salt and it's just <laughs> disgusting basically um, yeah. but you guys grew up with it right so yeah. and I always, it's funny because I when I, I used to work at Island Park I used to go to Sweden often and speak about like strong flavors that the Swedes love powerful flavors and everything the fermenting fish the salted licorice some of the beers the sour beers and stuff become really popular and whiskey the Swedes love smoky, smoky whiskey. They do. And this is an unusual expression from Bunahaven, which is peated. Uh, you have those tarred ropes. You have that lovely salted licorice kind of quality coming through. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's so different. It's got all those notes, the minerality, the heaviness that we talked about with Brendan the other day. But then it has a little bit here of, of that smoke coming through, which is um, a pleasant surprise from Bunahaven. We don't always expect that. Yeah, absolutely. It has one of my favorite, I don't know if it's Scottish, but it's a tasting note I had never even heard of before I moved here. It's a little bit, if you put your nose straight into the glass, it's a bit like frazzles. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course, yeah, man. We, we grew up on frazzles, man. <laughs> <laughs> as, our, as our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's got that really nice brininess to it as well. You know, it's like, I love anything sort of salty like that. Mm. Like, give me a, a, a tin of sardines and I'll munch the whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you know, we talked about dirty martinis before mm. and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything like that, I'm in 100%. Yeah. Also, these kind of drums, um, like these heavily peated ones, go really, really well with chocolate treats. So if you bake mm. something with chocolate in it and you like peated whiskey, those two are yeah. great match. I've always been a fan. Um, remember we used to do the tastings with Kalila in the supermarkets when we worked for Diageo. Right. And let's not talk about that. That just brings back I know, I know. flashbacks. It was. Bad memories. Yeah, there were dark times. Um, <laughs> But dark chocolate with smoky whiskey, yeah. they're just so compatible mm -hmm. and they're, they're delicious, really, really delicious together. And I would imagine this with a dark chocolate, a little bit of salt in there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Now we're talking. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Chuck a little bit of lot for water in you. Get that in. Well, you know, when you talk to people about the drinking culture, in specifically whiskey drinking culture in Sweden, explain to, to everyone listening what that's like. Well, it's quite tricky for me because I've only liked whiskey for the last four years and kind of been serious about whiskey for maybe the last two and a half. And it's been a lockdown, so I've not had the chance to go to Sweden uh, no. that much. So I've not actually been able to see the whiskey culture firsthand that much. But of course, the Internet's a great thing. So I've been able to talk to a lot of Swedes and a lot mm. of the people from the Nordic countries and realize that they do love peated whiskey. Yeah. It does seem like they might be... So they have this big whiskey club culture, which mm -hmm. is quite nice where people come together in these little communities because Sweden's quite a, a long country. So yeah. you can't really get to everywhere really quickly. And I think it's nice how it brings communities together. But in one way, I think they are a little bit behind um, 
I think there might be more young people in Scotland that might be introduced to whiskey, mm. or because it seems like none of my friends really in Sweden that are my age have ever really even considered trying whiskey, which is a bit of a shame, I think, because it's such a lovely, lovely spirit. Yeah, I, I went to um, Borlanga yeah. many years ago, and I did their, I think it was their 10th anniversary. Wonderful, yeah. Um, of their whiskey club. And uh, Bern Sodin, Shodin is the, the president of that whiskey club. They are the oldest and the largest whiskey club in Sweden. And uh, myself and Martin Martvardson did a tasting there and we did 19 different Highland parks wow. in that tasting. It had okay. a half time. Yeah, it had a half time. It was insane. Half time oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tells you a lot about the Swedes. It tells you everything <laughs> you need to know about the Swedes. And it was absolutely mental. And they were asking all sorts of questions. How many staves are in a washback? What barley stream are you using in 1984? And all that kind of stuff. You know, they really, really geeked out and really wanted to know everything that was going on at the Highland Park Distillery. And it was really then, it was it was almost my coming of age as a brand ambassador. The, I remember my boss at the time, Jerry Tosh, who, who's a well-known guy in the whiskey industry. He pulled me aside and he says, look, if you can go there and you can smash this event, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll do all right. You know, it was like a, it was like a proper test. Yeah, it's like well, that Cinderella cruise is. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's that's how ambassadors kind of uh, find well find out if they can become ambassadors. Yeah, uh, you know, I remember to your point as well. I remember doing a tasting with Glenfiddich, and I, I think it wasn't fifty or whatever you said, or mm. twenty Highland Parks, but it was close to maybe ten or twelve. And one of the ones that we had was, which was really unusual for Glenfiddich, was heavily peated an old sherry cask. Mm. Uh, and I think it was around about 12 to 14 years, somewhere around about that age, but it was like creosote. So for those that are listening that don't know what creosote is, that's the stuff you put on your, your fence yeah. to kind of waterproof it. But it was just a horrible, horrible smell. And there were so many people in the audience. I mean, there was like, I don't know, 15, 20 guys in, and it was all guys. I'm yeah. not saying guys, because it, it just was this very, Let's call it a sausage fest in Cinderella, right? <laughs> yes. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's about three females on the <laughs> that shit. Yeah. And I remember saying, I was like, you know, there's a reason why Glenfiddich doesn't do heavily smoky whiskey, all in sherry, because it just completely dilutes the flavor of the distillery characteristic. Mm. None of that lovely fruitiness that you associate with Glenfiddich comes through. And I was like, who would buy this here? And all of them. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why don't you sell this? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal. It, it's almost the bolder the better, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Daz Mitch's Whiskey News of the Week. Yeah, yeah. There's a few things I saw this week that caught my eye. Uh, the Glenlivet 80-year-old from Gordon and McPhail. That's obviously a, a big a big landmark. I, I'm going to stab a guess. Whoever gets the closest to the price that it actually achieves at auction is the winner because they haven't set a price. You see, they're waiting to release it after the auction. I'm going to go 50K. 50K? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 80-year-old, oldest ever whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's been released. I remember I was lucky enough to try the 72 that they had. Uh, I think that was a Glenlivet as well. Uh, that was probably about five, six years ago. So I remember trying that. Yeah, I don't know, mate. All right, I, I'm going to go 80-year-old, 80K. And, oh, a dear friend of yours and a uh, good, good chum of mine as well. Saw him the other night, uh, Mr. Charlie, turned 70. Yeah, I was, so I was lucky enough to go to uh, lunch with him in the new Prince Street Johnny Walker 
uh, unbelievableness that, that just opened, I think it was last Monday, and he was telling me about his 70th, just looked insane. He was over on the west coast of Scotland, uh, just on this yacht, and they blindfolded him on the yacht, and then they pulled up to this pier, and as he, they kind of got him off the yacht, took the blindfold off, and there was about 150 people there for a surprise birthday, uh, including like a whole pipe band. So they raised him up onto this kind of seat, and there was four people carrying him, and they just had like a crazy three-day party. He was showing me the pictures of it. It kind of looked like a Lord of the Rings type sort of style, you know, just yeah. in the middle of nowhere in the in the west coast of Scotland. It looked crazy. Yeah, so this yeah. is whiskey writer uh, extraordinaire, the chap who was in the Angel Share, and just generally great guy, solid historian, Charlie McLean turned 70 just a few weeks ago. So congratulations, yeah. Charlie, if you are listening and tuning in, and I'm sure we'll get you on at some point, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you uh, mentioned yeah. there, uh, you, you talked about Johnny Walker, Princess Street. Yeah, so I mean, that's amazing. Just uh, going to see that, I think it was 58 million that they spent on it, part of their 140, 150 million plan that includes uh, four distilleries around Scotland. But this is the, you know, the, the kind of, pinnacle if you like or the the centerpiece of what Diageo are doing uh six floors just unbelievable I, I haven't had a, a chance to to have a proper look around I just went into the you know the bottom floor the retail space that they have there uh which is just a big Johnny Walker shop uh and then I was on the top floor uh we had some lunch just stunning views like 360 views uh of Edinburgh you're looking straight onto the castle uh, beautiful outdoor area as well when we were there the, the weather was stunning so uh but amazing to see it you know i think you and i have been watching this come to life over the last two years it's mm. it was severely delayed by covid but great to see it actually open and i think it's going to be fantastic for edinburgh for uh whiskey tourism in the capital of scotland yeah well look here's the thing you and i have worked on johnny walker in the past and uh, certainly working up at the Johnny Walker Championships at the golf tournament that used to run years ago, a lot of the conversations that we would have and the questions we would get on Johnny Walker was, why can't we get it in Scotland anymore? So I think, you know, the big positive here is, well, Johnny Walker is definitely back in Scotland and it's back with a bang. Um, and it's also good to see so many of our sort of peers, colleagues, old friends and things like that, who have all been part of it, uh, you know, do something uh, brilliant, you know, for, for whiskey here in Scotland. So yeah, congratulations to the guys that have been involved, TJs and Allies and all these dudes, Irvin and things like that. Uh, and we look forward to going in properly for a good peruse around. And one of the things I'd like to do is, is uh, pin our good pal Todd down and maybe do a wee podcast down in the vaults there. Uh, that would be quite good fun, wouldn't it? So that's it in the news for this week. Okay. So, yeah, we've touched on it there, actually, just talking about our experiences of, of Sweden, um, joining the whiskey clubs, the infamous Cinderella cruise. Um, and look, let's not beat around the bush here, more. There's definitely been a lot of conversation in whiskey around equality and diversity. It's been a massive topic across so many industries. And women in whiskey, particularly, has, has, has been right at the front of that. And um, I'm very conscious of it. And, I, and I'm just... I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, you know, what positive change have we seen in the last three or four years, you know, since your involvement with whiskey? I think one of the big things that is happening is that you're seeing a lot more female faces and voices represented, which I think is one of the things that keeps me motivated because I have a lot of messages coming in from my female audience, which is growing, which is great to see as well from being under maybe 5% when I started to now being almost 15%, mm -hmm. which is great. 
And a lot of people are saying it's just great to see someone who are or who is enjoying whiskey without making such a big fuss of it, which I'm quite happy to do because oh, what, I'm quite happy to do. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's quite tricky to know if you want to focus on being a woman in whiskey, because I'd rather focus on just being a whiskey drinker because there's so much chat going on about women in whiskey and then you have your whiskey drinkers. But I'd love for women to be involved in the whiskey drinking community without having to focus on the gender. But yeah. it's also difficult when you know there are issues and <clears throat> people are being quite, in some situations, treated unfairly. And there's been a lot of stories coming up to the surface. And I think it's good that both men and women are aware that these things are happening. And I think it needs to be improved because everyone deserves to be respected. But it's almost alienating women a little bit to separate women and whiskey from whiskey drinkers. Yeah, it's fu- yeah, it's funny because, you know, I've... I've- worked with so many female ambassadors so you know i've i've heard the problems that they've had that obviously daz and i've never experienced being guys within the industry you know and um it's horrendous it it really really frustrates me it's one of my my big bugbears um and i've I've kind of ranted about it a few times on on this podcast but it's 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 hard you know because I, i think from my point of view being a guy I can't see it from a female point of view because I've been around females when it's happened. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, I've gone absolutely ballistic about it. <laughs> I cannot stand it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point because I, I've spoken to a lot of female ambassadors when they've just been starting and it's like, well, what line do you want to take? Do you want to go on this line of like, I'm a woman in whiskey or do you want to want to be like, well, I'm just drinking whiskey. What does it matter? You know, yeah. and that's, that's, is a tough thing to, to, to go down. It's not just about drinking, is it though? It's like you say, it's for those who are listening, who, who maybe haven't been to a whiskey show, uh, who haven't stood behind mm. a stand. It's the, it's, it's the disparaging, condescending comments that are passed over usually by males targeted towards females who apparently don't know a lot about whiskey, you know, and, and I can see, I mean, it's, it's just, you've stood next to it. I've, I've, I've heard it, you know, and, 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 and it's just, it's not acceptable, right? I mean, it, and no, it's it obviously still happening. To yeah, but it's, it's difficult because, like you said, you don't know what it's like being a woman. I don't know what it's like being a man because a lot of people as well, which is, I don't know if it's been something for a while, but now you kind of hear them more, is that people who are a little bit, they just think they're a little bit better than everyone else. They think they know the right way to drink whiskey. Mm-hmm. They will not just be condescending to women, I think. I think they will be condescending to anyone who they have an opportunity to be condescending against. So I don't think it's necessarily only uh, they are attacking women in that kind of sense. But I think there might be some that have this kind of old way of looking at it. But it is tricky because, I mean, we're all just people and we, we like whiskey, so it shouldn't be that complicated. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, but there is there's such a common ground, isn't there? And 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 perhaps um, in a few years' time, uh, when we're all behaving better and you know everyone um, everyone sorts themselves out, and we don't have these conversations, you know, and we don't have to constantly remind people of how they should behave, you know, yeah. after a couple of whiskeys at a whiskey show, which um, which seems to be the kind of common theme, to be fair. Well, it's a good um, thing that most people in whiskey, they like whiskey and that um, therefore you have a, something in common to talk about. And yeah. then that just sparks interesting conversation. Yeah, but little tip for anyone who's listening. Next time you're at a whiskey show and you see a female behind the stand, do not assume that they know nothing about whiskey. Yeah, that's silly. 
Bosh. <laughs> right. And what about uh, Moa? You travel a lot around different distilleries around Scotland. Um, you, you've been to many, many places, and I see that from your Instagram channel and things, and even just the conversations we've had as well. Where's your like? What really surprised you? What really stands out as a place that you just fell in love with or wanted to go back? I mean, distilleries, the places where those distilleries are. What stands out? It's uh, always a tricky thing. I was thinking about this yesterday. And I, I don't know if I've actually been to that many distilleries. I mean, I think I've been to around 20, so I have mm. about 100 to go in, in Scotland. Yeah, that's fair, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I always like when you get to see a proper Dunnage warehouse because I just love the scent of it mm. and that the first distillery I went to in Speyside was Glenfarclas. And like, stand, seeing the red doors was just like, made me a bit giddy. I felt like a fangirl. I was like, look, it's the doors. <laughs> And then standing in the warehouse, just looking at it. Um, I had appendicitis at the time. I didn't know. Uh, but I looked very happy in the photos in spite of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a really good time. But sometimes when they just have a good tour guide and a good tasting, we had a brilliant one at Aberlauer with a girl called Emma, who I'm still talking to today. And she just made the whole experience really good. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of mix of the traditional heart of whiskey and then when you meet people that are good that really makes me excited mm. for it and you've been in lots of different locations and uh, sadly i didn't make the trip um but we talk about characters and people and different distilleries but you you guys visited uh Abingerig up in lewis we did yeah. uh, how, how how was that when you say you guys i didn't i, I, I took more up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it was an interesting distillery I've never seen anything like it it's I mean it's whiskey made in a shed um anyway, I, was trying to be really <laughs> <laughs> no but I think the really really interesting thing about it is that I think it's very very similar to what illicit distilling might have been obviously it's much more easy to get a hold of your yeast and um, the local barley and things like that but it's so weird that it makes it interesting and that goes for the flavor as well i'm not sure what you would say much uh, you know i we met the owner and he's pretty scary so i'm not gonna <laughs> bad mouth it but it is the worst whiskey i've ever tried in my life <laughs> yeah. um you know I, I remember we were staying in this amazing lodge on lewis right and it was absolutely beautiful and i i was driving you uh and uh, a couple of other people there and I remember coming back and I was like, well, I, I, you know, I can't drink this when we're at the distillery. Mm. So you guys had a taste of it. I tasted it before. I knew what it was like. So I was like, I'll, I'll just get some samples. And I brought them back for Daz and Teddy. And um, yeah, I remember it almost just set the whole house on fire because <laughs> uh, it was spat on a fire. No, I didn't. I didn't spit it on the fire. I um, I tossed my glass, uh, Richard Patterson style, <laughs> <laughs> towards the fire. To but, wake everyone up. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't realise that I actually I missed the fire and hit the fireplace and set the whole fireplace on fire. So the, the, the whole surround of the fireplace. And then obviously the guy that was hosting us has walked in and kind of caught me set, basically setting the lodge on fire, uh, which I quickly remedied. You did, but yeah. not after us saying, like, that's for fuck's sake, yeah. that's on fire. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise. <laughs> so that's you'd say it's a memorable whiskey. It was a memorable whiskey. It had a funny flavour, you know. Um, you know I... when you've burnt some, cook, you've cooked something in a pot and you've left it too long and it's almost caramelised to the inside yeah. of the bottom of the pan. It had that kind of yeah. charred, slightly overcooked 
flavor to it. It was so peculiar. I remember it vividly. Um, now, would I say uh, it's the best whiskey I have ever tasted? No. If you're looking for something that might taste as close to what illicit whiskey would have tasted like back in the day, yeah. this might be right up your street. And actually, I love the look of it as well. Like, I will put a picture. Uh, obviously, we, we are now on Instagram, Moa, as you may know. Um, we'll put a picture up of these stills because it is a fascinating place. And the story is brilliant. Um, but a little bit of um, extra time in wood, maybe a better cut. In the spirit, I don't know. Maybe after this, Marco's going to find us. Oh, God. This time. I know, I know. <laughs> um, oh, but on that, yeah, we are on, on Instagram right now. But we've also got our own website, which has just launched breaking news on this episode. How yes. exciting. Uh, yeah, so uh, check it out on notanotherwhiskeypodcast.com. Wow. Good name. Interweb. It's a crazy name. It took me so long to think about it. <laughs> Interweb, yeah, we're, we're moving, and we're moving like seriously here. We've got an email address now, we're on Instagram, and we've got a website. So professional. Crazy. Your life as, as a communicator of whiskey, does it become a full-time job at some point, or what do you think? I'm going to confidently say yes, because yeah, that's yeah. my goal. Is it? Um, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, anything, there's a saying, so I'm from this place in Sweden where there's a, quite a famous uh, skier. And he's friends with my dad, actually, and he says that nothing's impossible. Yeah. But yeah, I think as long as you have a passion for it and you're willing to be patient, but also work hard for it, then why not? Brilliant. I love that. So more to come from the Swedish whiskey girl, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. When's your next distillery trip? Uh, next week. Oh. Going after Spaceside. Oh, lovely. Anywhere nice? I don't know yet. It's a press trip. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's for Spirit of Spaceside, which is uh, this event coming up, which would have been the spring, but they're doing another kind of extra bonus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be there. Yeah. And the lock for our guys is going to be there as well. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah, we there. need to all hang out. Um, but Moa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for episode. having me. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. This could have gone on for so much longer, but we like to keep these punchy. Try to. So guys, we're now getting serious. We've, we've talked about the fact that we've got a website, we're on Instagram, but we're also going to be dropping these on a regular basis because we've realized that you guys like to know when we're going to put our episodes out there. So every Monday, we're going to put an episode out every second week or every fortnight. Yeah, fortnight. So every fortnight we're gonna drop another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast, and it will always be on Monday from now on. That's the plan, but you have to remember Daz and I are kind of a little bit all over the place. We're very busy guys. We're gonna try and do that as much as possible for you guys so you know when it's all kind of coming out. Daz, we've committed to that. What do you think? You know how I am with commitment, Mitch. It's, uh, it's very, very challenging. Um, but I would like to say uh, this is our 10th podcast. And if we were married, technically, it would be our aluminium wedding anniversary, yeah, yeah, which is about being, you know, better together and, and withstanding the challenges of life. So to get to 10 is quite impressive, to be That's honest. Right. So for our next episode, uh, we're going to dig out some whiskies from around the world, which I think is quite fitting, actually, having had a lovely conversation with Moa, who is from Sweden, and Sweden is, is now becoming a really important whiskey-producing country, certainly very, very good at drinking it. Um, we're going to go and find out what's happening outside of Scotland, and we're going to look at some unusual whiskies and tell you guys how they compare and see how it compares basically to how we see it here in Scotland. Yeah, yeah it's going to be good, man. Um, so, guys, thanks again for listening to us. May the angel share be with you and may all your whiskies be as delicate as a peck on the cheek from Daz. Wow. <laughs>
Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.